Welcome to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast, and I'm your host, Greg E. Hill, the culture change agent. I'm excited. You already know by now, I'm extremely excited to be to bring our featured guest to you today. And before I begin, if you're new to this podcast, this is the podcast where we interview young, successful minorities in a variety of fields to educate, empower, and inspire our current and future generation leaders. So let's jump right to it today. Um, specifically, if you are an aspiring public speaker, if you're an aspiring author, if you're aspiring or currently an entrepreneur, this is the episode for you. So I just want to jump into it. I want to I want to read a little bit of his bio because this dude, I mean, to be 25 and the stuff that he's done as far as a number one Amazon bestseller, as far as speaking at the White House Speaking to over 100,000 students in over 20 states in multiple countries. I mean, dude, and this is all before 23. And I'm excited to really bring him on the show. He's going to add a lot of value. And I'm going to stop talking. And let's get to him. So I want to bring on my boy, my brother, my dog, EJ Carrion, to the Minority Trailblazer podcast. Welcome to the show, brother. What's up, guys? Glad to be here. Man, I'm glad we have you, man. I mean, let's go ahead and jump right into it, man. So if you could explain to the audience kind of who you are and, and what do you do? Yeah, definitely, man. Um, so my whole thing is I'm uh, the co-founder of Student Success Agency and the uh, chief evangelist officer. And what Student Success Agency is, is basically um, it's the first premier agency that represents teenagers instead of athletes and celebrities. So LeBron James has an agent. Katy Perry has an agent. Why can't we give every teenager in America their own personal agent so they can also become the best that they could possibly be? So we've been doing that through schools and also through parents. And as well as I do a lot of speaking, um, the, the agency has allowed me to go to a lot of schools. I also have the book, which ignited a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, no, from there... Um, just, just really rocking and rolling on that passion of, of getting students more time to identify passions and things like that. Wow, that's that's amazing. And I read a little bit on your website that um, in the span of four years that each student, and I mean, I don't know, what each student in high school has 38 minutes with a guidance counselor in the span of four years. Like, how mind-numbing is that in preparation for their life and what they're trying to do? That they'll have 38 yeah, yeah. minutes. It's crazy. That's crazy. Right? That's- 30, 30, yeah, 38 minutes. I mean, most of us can't even plan a vacation in 38 <laughs> minutes, you know? So let them know uh, our lives. So 38 minutes, yeah. With a guidance counselor, there's one guidance counselor every 500 kids. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, yeah, I mean, that one person is in charge of customizing a life plan for 500 kids. Is simply um, you're just setting up a passionate educator to fail with odds like that and uh, other states i mean california it's like one to 1800 uh there's one counselor so um yeah i think there's a space to increase personal time for teenagers and by doing so they graduate faster Mm -hmm. they graduate on time maybe they know more what they want to do they're more maybe uh intrinsically motivated and Mm -hmm. things like that got you got you and and where did you go to school at and can you get can you deeper uh, give give the audience a a more personal kind of background of you like um where where'd you go to school and um do you have any family members or whatnot yeah yeah um i 
so I, I'm from Texas, but I went to school at the University of Oklahoma mm-hmm. and uh, went went there. I was the first of family to go to school uh, and college to go to college. I was a Bill Gates scholar. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge mama's boy. Um, that's <laughs> you know, above one. Uh, I'm a huge mama's boy, and I have a younger brother who's currently in college as well. Okay. And uh, I, I currently live in San Antonio with uh, my fiance, and uh, I love San Antonio. Been here about a year, year and a half. Great community for what I do. There's mm-hmm. a lot of first generation Latinos, uh, Hispanic students who um, um, looking to go to college, looking to do great things, and there's a lot of uh, opportunity here. So I'm excited to be in San Antonio, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, life's good, man. Life's good. That's great, man. That's great. So before we kind of die, uh, do a deep dive into Student Success Agency, your speaking career, writing books, I want to kick this podcast off with a quote because. I'm a big quote guy. Like I, I text over a hundred of my friends and my family members every single morning when I wake up at like four forty-five a.m. A quote and my interpretation of it. So, um, give me a quote that you kind of live by, and, and then give me a funny story how it, how you use it on an everyday basis. Yeah, yeah. Well, one, first of all, I, I commend you at waking <laughs> up at four forty-five a.m. I do see those uh, those um, look like you're a, a Spartan warrior uh, <laughs> marathon photos all the time selfies. Um, I mean, I, I, you should actually keep a collection of those selfies from like 10 years from now if you keep doing it and like you just see your age transform. Yeah. But you got them good genes, so 10 years from <laughs> oh, now, you probably no, look the same. Don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, no, but uh, yeah, man, I mean, the quotes, uh, my, I, I think a quote I like to go by recently is um, that Jim, the Jim Carrey uh, speech at a, I forget what college it was, but it was an amazing commencement speech mm-hmm. um, that he gave. And, and he said, you can fail. He was talking about his dad. So let me give you a little synopsis. He was talking about his dad who um, was really was really funny like like Jim Carrey was. But he uh-huh. instead of going into comedy, he became an accountant. And uh, 10 years, 20 years, whatever, after being an accountant, he actually lost his job. And so the quote comes with saying, you can fail at what you don't want. So you might as well take a chance at doing what you love. Wow. And uh, yeah, I mean, I just really love it because uh, you think about so many people go the safe route like Jim Carrey's dad. And uh, then to hear that, you know, times change and he gets laid off Mm -hmm. and he failed at something he didn't even want to do with his life in the first place. He just thought it was safe. Mm -hmm. And I just think as an entrepreneur and uh, someone like that, it it just makes you it makes you okay with the everyday battle of being an entrepreneur um, when you hear a quote like that. So I would say that's a quote that I go by um, that I try to look at on a regular basis. I feel you. And, and, and to kind of take one step further, how do you use that quote in your life? Like, can you give me, can you, can you point to a specific story where you were on the, the, the starting line and you're like, uh, oh, should I do it? Should I do it? Or, and you just kind of took that quote and ran with it. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, I think it's just, it's the definition of entrepreneurship. I think mm-hmm. entrepreneurship is a game of, of time of, of staying in the race and dealing with the with rejection. Um, this this summer, I mean, I think running a business, you just hear a lot of no's all the time regardless of what you're trying to do. And especially if you're trying to do something that's, that's life-changing, that's different, that people have never heard of, that you have to change behavior, you have to change culture. Mm-hmm. And when you do things like that, you're going to hear a lot of no's and you're going to feel like you're, you, know, you fail. Um, I definitely feel like the last... You know, this last year I failed more than I've succeeded as an entrepreneur, and uh, so that quote 
I mean, when I, I there's countless times when I'm when I'm on the phone and I think, man, why should I call this person? They're just going to tell me no, anyways. Mm-hmm. You know, given that chance, anyways, and being able to deal with that rejection, knowing that hey, at least I'm waking up every day doing mm-hmm. what I love to do, um, regardless if I end up on the top of the mountain, you know, at the top of the mountain. Um, as, as if I can continue to do what I'm doing, um, that's a tact, that's a success in itself and allows me to stay positive, especially someone who, 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 who's, who can get discouraged a lot from, um, business success, personal success. And I just think that's something that allows me to stay focused on, on the long-term goal. Yeah. And I, that's huge, man, because a, you, like I said, the, all the success you had thus far, 100,000 students you've spoken to, being featured on NBC and, and working and doing a presentation at the White House, you would think that you call somebody and be like, hey, guys, I got this opportunity to come talk about Student Success Academy or speak to your students. Everybody would be like, yeah, 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 yeah. And it would just be everything like that. But to know that over the summer and what you do now, you still have those no's. You're still trying to claw in just like every other person in society. To, to get another speaking engagement, to, to, to sell 100 more kids or a whole school on a student success agency. So um, I think that's kind of liberating for all of us. And also, though, it points to the amount of hard work you really have to do to really dominate an industry and dominate a lane. It's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, now let's dig a little deeper into um, – first, I want to talk about your public speaking career because I run into it every day now that I – over the last month or so, I've been vocal and transparent about my journey becoming a public speaker, and everybody's coming, like, ask all these questions. How do you start? Or what do you do when you become one? What do you charge? So let's look at your journey. How did you know that you wanted to be a public speaker? Yeah, um, I think I've had the, I've had a great, um, a lot of great, it, it's amazing how life works. Mm-hmm. I think, I think at the end of the day, a lot of success is a lot of is based off of opportunity mm-hmm. um, and being prepared for that opportunity. And um, you know, my grand I I spent last weekend with my grandparents, and I just you know being able to spend some time talking to my granddad. And you know, my granddad is is a smoozer. My my granddad is a people person. He talks to everyone. Mm-hmm. He was a he was a furniture salesman um, in the past before he retired. He was. One of the top salesmen, you know, break broke records at the company, um, and he he he's a people person, and so I think it's a part of who I am that that piece and um, that first experience of me realizing the power of, of of speaking and being able to do it well was actually in my ninth grade class. I, I was in a public speaking class that was mm-hmm. actually only for juniors and seniors, and I was the one of two ninth graders in that in that in that class. And we had to give an informative speech and kind of showing you the kid I was. My informative speech was over America's greatest gangster, Al Capone. Yeah. <laughs> so I told everyone over the last – for the next seven minutes about Al Capone, I wore this big 3XL Al Capone black tee that was uh, airbrushed. And uh, so you know, just – if you could just picture all that. Anyways, I got it like a 99 on the, on the uh, presentation. I still remember the introduction that I did. And uh, I won the uh, outstanding student in the communication department at my high school. Mm-hmm. And from there, went did the newspaper, did yearbook, thought I wanted to be a sportscaster, mm-hmm. um, do some ESPN type stuff. So yeah, I went to school for that. ESPN growing up. Yeah, right. If you can't play sports, you know, you, know you, you might as well talk about it. So <laughs> um, 
yeah, and then from there, you know, I was really involved in school, and then I got to see a lot of speakers. The one of the speakers I was able to see was Jonathan Sprinkles, mm-hmm. and he's uh, the connection coach. Highly recommend anything he does, anything he puts on, and uh, he's been speaker of the year three three times. Um, and he's I saw him speak at the University of Oklahoma, and it was I just saw it and I just was so impressed that I wanted to do it. And from there, just started taking it and taking it very seriously. And I was about 19. And uh, from there, I just been really, I was focused on it. And I said, this is something I always want to do. And it has expanded much farther than speaking now. But the speaking part is just who I am and something I'm a, something that's, that, I, that I need to do in order to be happy as an individual. No, I understand, man. And if you could, and I like to always bring it down, bring it down to the ground floor because we have audiences where they're trained in specific professionals, but we also have an audience of college students and some high school students. So, can you bring us back to your worst moment? And I, as a public speaker, like when you you drop the ball, can you bring us to a story or a time where it's like ah, the the the, the most embarrassing moment as a public speaker thus far. Yeah. I mean, man, there is so many. I mean, there is so many. I mean, the funny thing about speaking, actually, this is this is just kind of my attitude in life. I think, one, I'm not that if, – if if you get to know me a little bit, I think a lot of speakers are very like, hey, if you reach to the stars, you know, you'll land – you know, you'll <laughs> land with – you know, if you reach for the moon, you land with the stars and everyone's all positive and percy. My, you know, my whole thing is I'm a realist about it. I, You know, I just – you know, I'm real. I, I don't try to act like, you know, some, you know, this positive, oh, yeah, you know, fist pumps. My my way is just using a lot of humor humor and a realistic perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's kind of the way I go. And I feel like with that personality, what happens a lot is I'm a doer. And I'm the type of person that I don't read instructions when I need to make – like if I need to p- make a bookshelf – I'm a doer, and I would rather do and make mistakes than make sure I have everything in my ducks in a row mm-hmm. and then do something. I'm 100% doer. So when I spoke, when I spoke the first time, I failed all the time. Um, I had there was times, you know, I got paid. My first pig paid engagement was two thousand dollars, and I was um, oh 20 years old, and it was my first big paid speaking engagement, and it was I was 20 years old, and I was ecstatic. And uh, I bombed it. I was not the. I wasn't at that caliber, but I was able to woo and market and brand myself as if I was. But my quality of a, of a speech wasn't wasn't there yet. And so you know, still to this day, I haven't heard back from that lady. <laughs> and um, yeah, you know, and that hurts. I mean, there has been times where, um, yeah, you you just say the wrong things. People are, people are not interested. Um, I've just if you don't have bad presentations, it's kind of like I know you're a big uh, basketball guy with your basketball camps. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're the you you bring the same talent every day, but some days you're on fire and some days you're not, and uh, that's just a part of the process. And I think the better, the more you can find consistency in your presentation, mm-hmm. uh, the the less chance that happens. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I would I would look at speaking, but. Um, I would definitely go back to that first big paid engagement I have where, where it was a $2,000 presentation and I just – I did not do what, uh, what I wanted to with the audience. The audience was bored. They were not, they were not interested. Um, I, I didn't leave there with the results I wanted. Got you, got you, got you. And I know I'm kind of skipping apart, but if you could go back right now, what you know? 
until that 20-year-old EJ Carrion that just bombed a $2,000 performance, what would you tell him? <clears throat> yeah. Um, you know, at that situation, what I probably would have done is, one, I actually think it's okay. You know, I think I wouldn't have changed it. I would think I would have mm -hmm. bombed it. Losing losing money and failing is actually a great learning lesson. Granted, it's better to do it off of other people's dimes and lessons. Yeah. <laughs> um, but when it hits you, when it hits you very close, it's uh, it wakes you up. And I don't think I would be the speaker today without that experience. And I would honestly probably tell myself to do that more often. Mm -hmm. Is to try to, you know, the 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 greatest. Level, you know, the greatest level of success for change is by being outside of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, you know, if I would have told myself, oh, I'm not a $2,000 speaker, um, I'm not ready for that, I wouldn't be able to do, you know, what I do to do today at the level I do. I think that's kind of, you got to be able to, you know, if someone, if you're out there and, and you want to be a top speaker and the people you're competing with are, you know, $10,000 speakers. And you're over there saying, "Oh, I'm only a $500 speaker." I think you got to go out and 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 charge what you believe you are, and 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 fight through not making it, and um, you know, and not getting the referrals because that's just how you're going to learn. Uh, you man, you hit on it right there. Start where you are with what you have and do what you can. I mean, that that quote is really dear to me, and that's enabled me to kind of start a lot of ventures. Which honestly, if I would have went through all the rigmarole, looking online, getting all this stuff, getting all this advice. I never would have started. So um, mm, yep. that's that's very huge, man. And I know we're about to kind of go into the transition too. And I think the basis of everything you've done thus far has kind of been your personality and, and speaking. That's led to other things. So now before I dive into Student Success Agency, I want to dive into this book. All right. So Accelerate Your Success. I have it in my hand. How to Create a Future and Stand Out When College is Not Enough. Um Writing a book, most people in their lifetime never will write a book. Um, a lot of people have so many great ideas, book themes, and all this stuff in their head. They don't know how to translate it and put it into paper. How did you write a book? How did you get there? How did you get right beside you? I deserve to have my own book and, and just get that process done. Yeah, um, you know, it's it's. It, it was an, it goes back to doing. Um, I'm a doer. That's just that's it's in my it's in my blood. I'm I can't I can't sit. I'm impatient. I can't wait. I'm not a good planner. <laughs> I mean that's why I have great great people around me. I'm just a doer. If I have something in my head that I want, it, it just it's gonna happen. And so I wrote the first rough draft of that book in one month. It was 160 pages. Wow. And I wrote it in one month. I woke up every single day, four hours a day, mm -hmm. and I just wrote. Just and four hours uh, a day, you banged it out in one month. Yep, four mm -hmm. hours a day I wrote. And uh, I was a journalism major, and uh, I also did the newspaper in school. So I thought relatively, you know, I'm, I was pretty good at expressing myself um, written as well as um, speaking. And so I just, you know, I had, I felt like I had something I wanted. I wanted to write a book. Also, I feel like the other thing I'm, I'm really um, aware of is and something that you may be I'm not sure if you remember from our management leaders of tomorrow training that we got in school but uh, uh, racial uh, stamps would always tell us about um, it, you know there's always that one guy in the room named Abe and Abe 
it stands for you're always being evaluated. Mm. And so mm. when I was thinking of myself and how, why would someone need to bring me as a speaker, I knew I needed some credibility. I was 19 years old. I was 20 years old. Didn't have a lot of credibility. So I knew if I could see, at least say I was an author, mm-hmm. um, that would work. So I actually, Accelerate Your Success, most people don't know this, is my second book. My Whoa. first book is called... My first book is called Ignite Your Dreams, mm-hmm. and it's a hundred. I actually wrote it with a with a, a good friend of mine, and uh, it's a hundred pages, and it's with sixteen point font, maybe even bigger than that. It's a, <laughs> it's, a, and it's about the size of a coaster, and um, it's very thin. And I mean, I printed the first copy at FedEx just so I can say I'm an author, and wow. um, you know, and and that was we did that all in a span of a month of December, me and him, because we both were young and we were trying to do things. So in order to get the author under under the notch <laughs> under our belt, we just made this basic book. Um, so that was, you know, I was always thinking of consciously, you got to always be marketing. And wow. I think that's the same thing because you're always being evaluated. Wow. So if you're always being evaluated, you always got to market and brand yourself how you want to be perceived um, to other people. Mm-hmm. And so that's, you know, the author piece was a big piece. If I want to be a top speaker, I knew I needed to be able to do the book. And so, you know, I also had the goal of being a bestseller. Um, and so that part was as well, um, a, uh, a plan and a part of the, a part of the whole idea as well. Nah, that's, that's huge, man. That's huge. It's crazy that I never knew that you had a book. Did you have an ISBN number for it? Yes, I do. I, I do. I, I do not remember it, unfortunately. But yes, I do. Wow, wow, wow! So I, I thought this was your first book. So you, you went out and you printed the copies at FedEx. So your first book, you and your friend, and you just made it happen. So you was like, "Well, I'm not gonna wait five or six months to get a hundred copies moved in. I'm not gonna wait for this. I'm just gonna go out, package myself how I want to, and create and manifest my own destiny." Right? Yep, absolutely. That's huge, man. That's huge. That's huge. And it's crazy that we can kind of talk for days in length about. Uh, speaking and about books and whatnot, but now let's let's roll into what you're working on now. And I know Student Success Agency, formerly known as Student Success Academy, is been one of your your biggest accomplishments, biggest things you're doing right now. Could you kind of walk us through how? And because I know you talked on it earlier, but how'd you come up with the idea, and then and how'd you go go from where it is back? And when did it, when was it founded again? Yeah, it's about three years ago now. So, so three years ago, uh, twenty eleven. And if yep. you can kind of walk us through um, how you got where you started and to where it is now today. Yeah, um, you know, a big thing with me is um, is entrepreneurship mm-hmm. and um, creating value that is scalable. And um, I love speaking. I will always speak. It's just a part of me. And uh, but you got to realize that the most, at least in my opinion, the most valuable thing in life is time. Mm-hmm. And time is, if you use it properly, uh, could could be your your advantage. I wasn't one of the smartest kids in school, so time was always what I had. I always had great vision and clarity of what I wanted in life. And by having that, I was able to move at an accelerated pace with my time. Um, and so with that, I I was doing. Teach for America, at the same time speaking for a group called Extreme Entrepreneurship Tour. Mm-hmm. And Teach for America, I was doing an internship in Chicago, and on the south side of Chicago. And then on top of that, I was doing speaking with the Extreme Entrepreneurship Tour. And the Extreme Entrepreneurship Tour 
basically I was brought out as a moderator to facilitate these events with top entrepreneurs. So I was hanging around top entrepreneurs under the age of 30, revenued, sold companies for millions of dollars. I mean, 26 years old and selling a company for $50 million and crazy, crazy things like this. And I was, you know, as a speaker, I was much better than these individuals um, from an engagement standpoint, but in a sense of entrepreneurship, they had me blown out of water. And I don't think I knew what entrepreneurship was until I met these individuals. And uh, the idea of creating a business and scaling yourself so that even when you're not working, mm-hmm. your 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 money's working for you. You are you know your your talents are working for you. Your systems are working for you. And so I wanted to create something that allowed me to to be to to, to expand my impact. And so from Teach for America. I saw a lot of pain with the counseling process. I got to work with a lot of teachers, a lot of counselors, and I just got to see how poorly um, done advising is. In a sense, well, it's not that it's poorly done. It's just not. It could be better, and it could be updated with today's technology. Um, and that's kind of how I look at it: is that it just could be revitalized, and that's what I wanted to do with it. So when I thought of the agency concept, I spoke to. All these students I've talked to, I communicate with them and, and, and get to hear you know their pain points. And it just led to the agency, and it made a lot of sense to give kids their own personal agent. It's just something that's cool. It would be relatable. And when you can make something cool and relatable and build a, a culture around, mm-hmm. that's when you're going to make big results. You know, when you're not forcing kids to do things or you're not telling kids how to do something. But when they want to be a part of a movement – that's when we're going to get the greatest change. And that's what I'm really excited about it is that kids want agents. They want these personal agents. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's and that's exciting for me. And that's kind of where we are today is getting more kids personal agents. So, man, that's 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 huge, man. I'm, I'm it's crazy to see middle schoolers or high schoolers really excited about wanting to get better and wanting to grow. I mean. We live in a very apathetic society today and to have mm-hmm. young kids that are really, oh, wow, this is amazing and really um, pushing things forward. I mean, that's exciting. And I want to speak to one point you made, which I kind of had to do my whole thought process about it itself is scalability. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs and I, I recently watched a, uh, a podcast by Seth Godin. And he said, um, are you an entrepreneur or are you a freelancer? And. I was basically, I was like, wow, because everything that I do right now currently, um, I'm basically a, a freelancer to be real because some of the, like the, the, the basketball camp, that's scalable. Um, the business academy that I teach, I, I teach that by myself that that's not scalable. So it's a big difference between actually creating a model and a system that can grow beyond yourself than, okay, working on a business or in a business because you're taking your time and you're, you're, you're changing that for money. And I think that's a big different thing. So um, I wish we had more yeah. time to kind of delve into that because a lot of entrepreneurs, especially young entrepreneurs, they don't get the difference. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Scalability is uh, is something, you know, even if you are working at a company, you've mm-hmm. got to constantly see how you scale yourself. That is why you see the CEOs and the executive committee with personal assistants, with secretaries, with um, you know, different people around them mm-hmm. because it's hard to get to the top. I mean, especially if you do sales calls, it's hard to get to the the CEO. But the reason is they build these gatekeepers to handle those things so they can work. They can focus on the big, high impact actions they got to take in their eight hour days mm-hmm. that they're working. You know, if you only have eight hours a day to do, do work, you got to 
focus on the work that's going to give you the greatest return. So what do you do with all the other stuff? So even if you're not an entrepreneur, you need to focus on how to scale your time as an, as an employee so that you can focus on the main action steps and have the smaller stuff being scaled out uh, to other people. So that, that's another concept as well, even if you're not an entrepreneur. Yeah, that's huge, man. That's huge. And uh, later in the show, we're going to talk about some tips and resources that you use on a daily basis in your business, in your life that has helped you. Um, I got three more questions, then we're going to rotate to the uh, one of our, our last rounds. One, if you had to boil it down to one tip that you can give uh, somebody this thinking about entering the public speaker realm, what would it be? So the question is, if someone wants to do public speaking, what, what should they do? Yeah, the first thing, your, your, your one thing that they should do before they enter that room. Um, yeah, I would, I would definitely say I would just dive. The first thing to do is speak, man. Um, at the end of the day, speaking is a skill that everyone thinks they can do and everyone thinks that it's a it's it's easy to do um from a woo the crowd change make a, a an experience that changes people's lives forever it's actually very challenging and um if you're going to be in the speaker room you got to speak it's kind of like if you want to be in a band if you want to be in a band the first thing you got to do is start playing music mm-hmm. is start playing everywhere you can play for free and you know you'll start playing at bars, you'll start playing at clubs, and then you know people will start paying for you for it. And then by time, you know, then one day your 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 band's at Madison Square Garden and it sold out. But it's all because you started you started doing what you wanted to do and b- working on those skills. Um, it's I mean I go back to the Beatles. If you ever read the Outliers, it talks about mm-hmm. um, by Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell talked about the Beatles. They were together eight hours a day working at a nightclub performing together for eight hours a day while in school. Imagine a band at that age working together eight hours a day, building that time to become masters at what they do. All they were doing was focusing on playing and becoming better musicians. And if you want to be a speaker, you just got to focus on pitting in that time. You should do, you should be doing, you're going to have to do a hundred free speeches at least before you do a paid speech. And so you just got to go out there and start doing those uh, presentations. Yeah, I I agree. I will play devil's advocate, of course, though, because I kind of take the, the opposite route. I feel like speaking, um, and this is, I'm new to the game, but a lot of us, because I know 10,000 hours is the, the ideal time for, for mastery or a certain subject. But I'm thinking like, if you're 22, 23, 24, you spent more than 10,000 hours being yourself. So if you can kind of work in your head, what are you, what are you really good at? And this, some people don't really can understand that. But if you realize what are your strengths, what are you an expert at, what, are you, what can you bring, I think you can kind of fast track the momentum into not having to wait so long to get paid to speak because a lot of people they're st- if they're listening sometimes they think oh man i get 20 free shows to, to to speak or i need to do 25 or anything like that sometimes it's not the case but of course i mean we can go on we can go on for days on um the variables that lay into that because i mean say if you yeah, never yeah, had- <laughs> it all, yeah it all yeah you know it all it all comes down because you're right there's there's two parts of success there's percepts there's perceptional value mm-hmm. so how are you perceived 
and then there's actual value. So let me give you a great example. I spoke for $2,000 before I got 100 free speeches in. And I'm not saying you need 100 free speeches. I didn't need 100 free speeches. Mm. Um, but, I mean, I still give a lot of free speeches. Um, but what I, what I think is perceived value is I perceived as a $2,000 speaker even though my value at that time wasn't a $2,000 speaker. Mm -hmm. So you're right. You could be, you could go in and get your engagements. Um, but yeah, but at the same time, if you just focus on speaking, you're right. You're right. You're most likely won't get to a hundred before you get a paid gig. But at the end of the day, you just need to go out, especially if you're 18, 19 years old, thinking about wanting to be a speaker, you just got to go out and speak and, uh, just go. And, um, no, I mean, yeah, you could, you know, you could not say a word. I know speakers who who never open up their mouth until they got paid, and uh, <laughs> they make a living speaking. And, That's crazy. Um, and uh, yeah, and uh, it just comes out to what you want to master and um, how, how you want to go at it. But yeah, uh -huh. yeah, I just think you just want to be in front of audiences. A lot of people have never been in front of audiences on a regular basis and uh, been able to give a presentation. Yeah. What do you have as a top tip? for potential entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs, the people that are on the sideline, say if they're at this corporate job and they're like, I hate it here, I have an idea, I really want to do it, but I'm, I'm kind of scared. What one piece of advice would you give them? Yeah, you know, um, I, see, I'm, see I, I, I love this question and I love entrepreneurship. I've been doing entrepreneurship I have I've never had a real job and since you know since going to college I've always done my own thing and um, I know entrepreneurship really well and I've been around a lot of entrepreneurs really well uh, I mean a lot of entrepreneurs and I think in America today entrepreneurship looks sexy to a lot of people it looks like oh that's the thing to do and that's the thing that it looks cool to do and um, you know, you see the movies like The Social Network and things like that. Um, but on top, and you're seeing all these young people sell companies for billions of dollars. Mm -hmm. And but not only does it look cool to do, the world is turning into a world where you need to be an entrepreneur. There mm -hmm. was a a study that I say in my presentation um, that it, by a, a Babson College that the world is going to need a billion entrepreneurs by 2020. So that means one of every seven of us will have to be an entrepreneur. And wow. that the idea of a nine to five job will actually no longer exist for this upcoming generation. That our generation will change jobs 10 to 12 times before we're 38 years old. And what this means is that you're no longer tied down to one position. You're going to be more looked upon by the value you create. So like what we just talked about, you know, your speaking value. Or are you good at web development? Are you good at marketing? Are you good at social media? Whatever it is that you're good at, your value is going to be how you're going to stay employed. And maybe Monday through Wednesday, you're working a corporate job. And then Thursday and Friday, you're freelancing while at the same time working on a startup with a, with a group of guys from San Francisco or whatever. And you're trying to run a startup. Entrepreneurship is a very perceived easy success. It's actually, I think, one of the hardest things to do. Uh, you know, I read an article recently about Invet companies that are invested. So there's these entrepreneurs that are getting $70 million to start their idea, but their salary for that job is at like $40,000. So even if you're getting all this investment to start up money to start your company, you're not 
that money's not going to your pocket. Mm-hmm. I think it's perceived that that entrepreneurs make a lot of money right away. That you make that that money is it, it, it comes and go. I think you know there's days in my life where I would say, man, I always get a lot of my corporate friends hating that they don't you know on their corporate job. And you know sometimes you think, man, that sounds really nice right now. And so I always want to tell people who have corporate jobs. I have people with corporate jobs all the time who call and talk about they want talk to me want to be an entrepreneur. And I think there's no better opportunity than have a corporate job to then t- test your idea and work on your idea part time. Um, that is to me a great opportunity. And then to not be against the idea. I mean, just because you have a corporate job doesn't mean that you know your life is uh, you know that. That your life is unhappy. I think you do have a lot of unhappy pieces because you have some a calling, a thing you want to do, but you also have a lot of security. And when you become an entrepreneur, that security goes away. And the biggest thing about entrepreneurship is are you able to handle this the insecurity? For instance, there's been months. Um, a great example from for my story, a story of, of me and student success agency. We um, we're supposed to be paid sixty thousand um, dollars one year by 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 a school district, and they didn't pay us. They they decided not to pay us, and we hired people. We did things, and there was times where I would have to take my speaking budget and a whole month pay someone else besides myself. I worked the hardest in that organization. I you know I gave my life to that organization but you're going to be but I was the I was the last one to be get being paid and there wasn't enough money to pay myself even wow. after I had to take my own funds from speaking and from the book to pay for in, employees and interns and things like that that you promised because of $60,000 that you thought you were going to make things like that happen all the time in entrepreneurship wow. and you know entrepreneurs are I mean some of my greatest friends are multi-million dollar entrepreneurs. And you would see, I mean, Mark Zuckerberg talked about how he, he sold his company for like billions of dollars and, you know, or, and, or, and he, well, he grew his company, IPO'd his company, but yet he still didn't have money to pay for uh, his gas because like it was all covered in contracts and bonds and things like, <laughs> you know, like getting it, like his, his money was slow. Uh-huh. So like he still like didn't have any money. I think you have to be able to be okay and you have to go into entrepreneurship not for the money. Mm-hmm. You have to go into entrepreneurship for the autonomy. You have to go into entrepreneurship for the ability to make an impact because the odds of becoming successful in entrepreneur, entrepreneurship is very low. Mm-hmm. But if you love the journey of being in entrepreneurship and creating the world around you and being, being a change maker in a world where you make change, and if you love that part, that regardless of whatever happens – that you enjoy it, then you're meant to be an entrepreneur. And I know that was a long description of what I of what I talk about, but I just think not enough people who dive into entrepreneurship are aware of the challenges and the hardships. But if you love that part, if you drive off of failure and drive off of, man, where am I going to get my next, how am I going to pay my next employees or where am I going to, what am I going to, I don't know where I'm going to be in the next three months. Mm-hmm. Like if you can handle that and you love that feeling – and be in control of your destiny, then I think entrepreneurship's for you. That's golly, man. That's if I was an Academy Award, you need an Oscar for that. That is, that is some crazy <laughs> actionable advice that really resonates, and I hope the audience it, it resonates with the audience. And kind of to, to to tag on to your last point, 
I'm a big YouTube guy and I'm a huge admirer of Will Smith and uh, his oh, words yeah. of wisdom like changed my life. I was like five years ago, I watched his words of wisdom. And one of the biggest takeaways that I have that I think applies to what you just said was um, you have to be afraid, not be afraid to die on a treadmill. And oh, yeah, I love that. That really means like if you and, and I because I take the entrepreneurism seriously, because if you're going to enter this lane, you really like you said, you want to create change. You And. In order to have that mentality, that hunger, that passion, you have to be willing to die for what you're doing. And I hate to kind of take it from zero to 100, but that's real. Because say Student Success Absolutely. Academy, your whole life, your passion, your time outside of speaking is for the success of that company, for the success of those kids that look to you for guidance, for the success of the school districts that support you. And you put everything on the line to do that. And it's that serious. And I think a lot of people do not approach it with that kind of serious mindset. It's like, oh, wow, my friend, he gets, he doesn't have to wake up in the morning and go to work. No, 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 no. They don't get the EJ, all the sacrifices and everything else that goes into plan. So before you jump off that thinking and sign that dotted line to say, I'm going to quit, please make sure that you're going to bring 110% into whatever you're about to do. Because guess what? In the entrepreneurial realm, there's a lot of other people too. And there are a lot of other people in the same industry. And they're working 10 times as hard. So best believe you're not just going there and everybody's going to be welcoming you with open arms and say, hey, come come, come get my money. It never works out like that, man. So I'm glad that you shared a little bit of your personal story so we can paint the right picture because I don't want people to get confused in this podcast like, hey, I listen to AJ Carry On. I'm just going to go out and make $2,000 speaking engagement as a public speaker. I'm going to start this. I'm going to start that. No, it's not that simple. Um, we're here to give advice and actionable stuff that you can help you on your journey. But it's really, really, uh, it's, it's way deeper than that, man. So, oh man, I'm. Yeah, I'm I mean, it's yeah, 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 dude. It, yeah, it's 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 entrepreneurship is such not transparent thing discussed. It's I don't think people discuss it transparently enough. I think uh, a lot of it's perceived that you know everything looks great, you know, and and a part of that is marketing. You got to make you got to make yourself look like you know things are. Things are great. And, you know, you're right. I have spoken at the White House. I have, you know, done these things. But you know what I also have done this year? I've made the most money I've ever made in one month. But I've also made the least money I've ever made in one month. You know, like, there, it, every, it's, it's a part of the process. It's mm-hmm. a part of the challenge. It's, uh, it's how life is. Our first year in Student Success Agency, we revenued $165,000-ish. You know how much of that money went to the the founders' pockets? Zero, oh my zero. God. And um, and why? We had to figure out how do you grow and scale? How do you develop? How do you grow? We now have a platform that we're able to pay for. You know, we have uh, we we've grown. We had, we went to conferences. We put all that money into growing the vision. Mm-hmm. And um, you know that's but that's what people you know people think. Oh, these people are worth millions of dollars or they revenue to company millions of dollars that means they also probably have 10 plus fact uh, employees and mm-hmm. things like that and you know you have to have some cash reserves and you know all you know it's just it's just a crazy concept because i'm around a lot of very successful people and you know they drive basic cars mm-hmm. and they drive they they're very frugal there and it's not this oh i'm going to be flashy and have all this money it's a very conscious because they they focus on putting all their money back into what they're focusing on. And that's a part of entrepreneurship is that if you want it to survive, you got to make sure you have enough cash to keep it going. 
you hit it on the head, man. And before we enter the the, the culture change round, which is basically a rapid answer round, um, Love it. I just want to uh, say one more thing, and I think you hit on it again. And this is applicable to anybody that wants to be an entrepreneur, anybody that wants to be a public speaker, anybody wants to write a book, and that is investing in yourself. Because you see when EJ said um, – he, he went to conferences, he took seminars, he went courses, he paid anything that he could to, to gain an extra advantage, gain an extra edge, learn another resource, anything that he could to go for. And I think a lot of us get hung up on the fact that the cost that, that goes into educating ourselves, because even as a speaker, I mean, there's a, so many speaker trainings out there that can help you enhance your brand and helps your message, help your voice. But a lot of times we're like, well, that costs $100, man. I don't know if I, I should be doing that. Or the conference, it costs like $1,000 for that conference. But absolutely, if you could walk us through um, a conference, and, and I know I'm kind of getting off getting off what we're, what we're talking about right now, but I think this is really big. Walk yeah. us through a conference that you attended and some of the leads, like uh, if you could, the cost of attending the, the conference and what business or what takeaways did you get from it? Yeah, Um Conferences are very interesting, and um, when I started my speaking career, by the way, I met Jonathan Sprinkles, and uh, when I met him, he told me, hey, you want to be a speaker? I'll teach you everything you need to know. It costs $2,000 to go to a speaking camp. That that summer, I, I took all my summer money that I made working for the summer to pay for that $2,000 camp, and I was there in December. So I met him in, in, in March. That summer, raised money, uh, worked, and then paid two thousand dollars to go to that event. Um, and I was the youngest one there by a long shot. Not even it wasn't even close. Um, but yeah, so conferences. That conference changed my life. Actually, right after that conference, I got my two thousand dollar gig. Um, but what I but what I want to go to is also what's. I've also been to a lot of conferences that don't work. I think if you're going to invest, mm-hmm. this is what I've experienced as being a doer. I'm a person that goes 110% and do, and I don't think, and that's bad sometimes. And so there's been conferences where we spent, our company spent $5,000 and we didn't get one single lead. Wow. Um, so when you think of conferences, you must do your research, mm-hmm. know your market fit, know your strategic value in this place. Um, try to get as much value as you can out of it. Maybe you know you could speak. I know a lot of conferences, they have they have workshops and things like that. Try to find ways to just get more out of it. Just, you know, it's crazy. But then we've also got leads from conferences where we got we closed, you know, a ten thousand multi ten thousand dollar contract for multi you know for multi schools or whatever. But it's a lot of it is paying. It's like paying tuition to go to college. <laughs> I feel like I'm paying tuition to do entrepreneurship. I'm learning how to do it. So when I thought, you know, when I lost that $5,000 at that conference, I just felt like, Hey, that was tuition money. I'm going to school. Now I know not to go, <laughs> not to do that conference again. So things like that. Got you, got you, got you. And, um, we're going to take it to the last round. And, um, it's basically a culture change round where I ask you five questions and it's basically a rapid answer, and we're just gonna kind of pick your brain on it. So let's let's go ahead and start it off. What is the best piece of what, what is the best piece of advice you ever received? I know that's a loaded the, question. <laughs> the world the world belongs to a leader with salesmanship. Mm. So 
the, basically, since it's a rapid fire, um, I think the most undervalued thing in entrepreneurship is sales. Mm-hmm. So you have to be able to sell. I think everyone look at sales as used car salesmen, and that's not the case. You got to be able to spend a quarter of your day selling, promoting, getting yourself out there. People don't like doing that. And, um, you know, our leaders that have changed the world were great salesmen. They were great at, they were getting themselves out there. And I just think the first thing is just getting up and do and be ready to fail and then also be ready to sell. And if you can, if you can just go and, and be ready to fail and also be confident in selling, you're going to be a great individual at whatever it is you want to do. Gotcha. Great answer. Um, what is one of the personal habits that you can attribute to your success? My personal habits. Um, <laughs> I think, yeah, I have a lot of, I definitely don't wake up at 4.45 a.m. like Mr. Mr. Hill over here, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I, I, I would say, you know, always writing down my goals. I've mm-hmm. always have a vision. I write down my goals or readjust my goals or my or what I'm going to do probably once a week at least. Um, and I just always have vision of what I want in life to the exact detail. You know, I was that kid when I was in fifth grade and I said I wanted to be an NFL running back. I wrote I, I collected I collected football cards and jersey cards and I and I took one of my f- photo pictures and made a football card and cut out one of my old jerseys and signed it and put it up next to Emmett Smith wow. and Barry Sanders. And I, I'm that detailed when it comes to vision. And, you know, I think if you're 20 years old right now, listen to this and you want to have vision in your life, vision, what you want to look like at 30, what clothes will you be wearing? What does your business card look like? What does the books in your bookshelf look like? And whatever you see, Think about it. What stops you from now? What stops you from doing that right now? You can buy those clothes right now. You could make a business card look like that right now. You could buy those books that are going to be and you can accelerate your your idea of your success so that you can have those things that you think you can only have by 30. Um, you could do it now. And I, I think that's one of the greatest traits I have is having vision and then doing that. Wow. That's that's huge, man. I hope you 20-year-olds out there or you young people out there are listening to that. <laughs> what is your favorite book and why? And it can be, I know sometimes it's hard to bring it to one, but one or two, but what is your favorite book and why? Yeah, I would say another good habit I have, another good habit I have is um, reading. I'd say I probably read a book a month. Um, <clears throat> I love reading. I also love audio books. But man, it's really tough to bring it down to one. I'm actually looking at the bookshelf now while you say this. Um, I I feel like everyone goes with this, but Think and Grow Rich was just a great book. I mean, it's an amazing book. Napoleon Hill was a great writer. Game uh, Think, Think and Grow Rich, I read when I was 16 years old, and that just changed my life. Um, from an entrepreneurial perspective, um, Delivering Happiness by Tony Zappos, mm-hmm. another great book. Uh, that that one changed my life, and then from some self help development, um, I read both Tony Robbins' books, Awakening the Giant Within, and Unlimited Power. Amazing books, and uh, so those four I would probably recommend as as my favorites. That Think and Grow Rich book that is the cornerstone. I wish every kid in America read that book. That is the 
That's the yeah, holy absolutely. grail. Outside of the Bible, that's the holy <laughs> grail right there. That is it. Um, what inspires you and keeps you motivated, man? Yeah, I think um, I think it's legacy. Um, I think that's you think about life, man. And I, I, the older I get, I realize the more I don't know. I think at twenty years old, you know, I thought the world was, you know, you understood it. And you know, now that you know, I'm turning twenty five next week. Um, you know, I think about it, and I think about life. And how, you know, what, what, how short life is, you know, I can't believe man, 25, when I was 18, 25 sounds so old. Mm -hmm. And I know, you know, if there's anyone 35 or even older listening to this, they're probably laughing at me right now. Oh, you know, (laughs) people remember what you do on these, on this earth. And even if it's not at that global of a scale, but the people around you are in your community. Um, And so that to me is what motivates me is legacy is that when I pass that the people do know me or that student success agency becomes an international organization that helps teenagers maximize their success. Mm-hmm. Culture, uh, the culture change round is if you were the president of the United States, what is the first thing you would do? Man, man, this is a, that's a <laughs> tough one. One, uh, one, I never want to be the president of the United States. I actually think that's, that's has, that that's the hardest job in the world. Uh-huh. And, um, yeah, I would never be interested in that uh, position, and I uh, commend any young people who wants to be the president of the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I, well, that's just tough because, you know, I think people always give the president a hard time. I mean, it's President Obama today. I mean, think about George Bush back in the day. We just give everyone a big hard, a hard time, no matter what they do. Um, but if if I was the president. I would probably be able to focus more on on um, edu- the ed- you know diving back into the education, which I think um, Obama's been doing great at. Uh, but I, w- I would I would focus on the education, um, trying to be um, more transparent. I just think I think it's so hard of a job. I don't even fathom the decisions. I mean, for instance, you know, President Obama probably wants to do these one this one thing. But then there's this one person here that doesn't want you to do that, but yet, you know, and then there's this person over here who has the money, and then this person over here who has the network, and then they want this out of this, and all of it's just a big chess game. And so as easy as I think it is to change whatever I would want it to be like, I just think that maybe if I could change one thing, it would be would be the whole politic part of being a president and uh, being everyone being able to be honest and transparent with one another. And... Um, to focus on building authentic relationships rather than, you know, trying to up one one another and win and do the chess move. And that's why I just would never be interested in politics because I don't think I would be good at that because I'm too genuinely authentically nice to people. Like I just can't be shady or, 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 or I can't be, I can't be, I'm not a good politician. I'm just yeah. never been. Nah, I, I feel you. It's like politics is like scandal times 10. And you know, if anybody watches scandal, you know, Everything has yeah, a strategy or a policy behind it. I'm like, imagine having to think not only five steps ahead of everybody, but 
two thousand steps ahead of everybody. I couldn't even imagine, man. So yeah, like House of Cards. Yeah, I can't do it. You know, oh just... man, I got to get into that. I got to get into the culture change round. I think there's one last question. Then we're gonna give our last piece of advice. Let the viewers know how they can get in touch with you, and then call it a day. So my last question. Um, I'm really big on changing the culture, and you've been changing the culture since, 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 man. You've been doing a lot of great things in the community, um, in the entrepreneur space, and just adding value to the world. But this one, I want to, to boil it down specifically. And if you could change one thing about society, most specifically the African American culture right now, what would it be, and why? And this, this can be as outlandish as open as possible. You know, you, I, I like how you open this up with the presidential uh, conversation. So, you, so you're letting me know we're diving into something pretty, uh, pretty serious. <laughs> uh, but I, you know, I, I think it's it's tough. I, I speak to a lot of African American students. Mm-hmm. Um, I see the African American community, and um, it's just very, it's just very challenging. Um, one, I think, you know, it's just tough because. You know, 98% or whatever, CEOs of Fortune 500 companies are Caucasian. And, you know, you have all these, you know, even if we're, we're making moves from a social level, mm-hmm. from an asset or power level, we're, we're nowhere, clo- you know, you're, we're nowhere close. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, yeah, the culture of money and how we spend money and how we use money is a really big piece. And a great organization that, um, that does great things is called money think. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been seeing him from afar. Um, I'm always been, in, um, impressed by their, uh, CEO. He's a young guy. He's, he's our age. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called, money, I, it's called money think money think. Yeah. Money think. And he teaches, uh, low income, um, communities, youth, how to financial literacy and financial, how to use, how to understand money. And I think he's doing amazing things. And, uh, his name's Ted Gonder. He'd be a great person for this uh, podcast, mm-hmm. even though he is Caucasian. Mm-hmm. But um, he's a he's a great individual, and um, I, I've been impressed. And uh, yeah, I, I would say financial literacy, and you know the sense of entitlement. But I also think entitlement's a a a, a modern American thing in general. Like gen, you know Generation um, Y and millennials. I think we all kind of have that um, entitlement feel. So. But yeah, those would be my two things that if we could go in and, and understand savings, financial literacy, and uh, that things are not given to us um, like our past, you know, what I mean, only if we knew what our past ancestors have done to get to where we are today. Um, it took a lot of courage. It took a lot of sacrifice. And uh, we just need that type of mindset today in order to go to the next level um as as people nah man you you said it you said it and it was i I think that's very great and actual man so i appreciate that dog so how can our listeners everybody that's tuned into this broadcast how could they keep in touch with you and where can they form out more about you student success academy and your upcoming projects yeah um uh, at ejcarrion.com, that's C-A-R-R-I-O-N.com. Um, that's my – EJ Carrion is my social, my Twitter. Uh, my email is ejspeaks at gmail.com if you have any questions. Um, 
I'm very, very. I, I try to answer as many emails as possible. Um, I'm, I'm very transparent to get a hold of, and uh, if you need anything, yeah, I, I'll do my best. And uh, yeah, Student Success Agency is just studentsuccessagency.com. And um, yeah, if you know of any schools or students that would love to have an agent, please refer. Gotcha, man. And those links and everything that we talked about in this show will be in the show notes. So before we wrap it up, I would like to thank you for with 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 my heart through my visitors through everybody else for giving us a lot of your time today because i know as entrepreneurs our schedules are crazy so thank you personally for for taking time out of your schedule to come and and add value and give us a lot of uh, a lot of great takeaways man yeah greg you're doing great things and um uh, been impressed to watch your journey and uh glad we're friends and if you need anything as well man let me know got you man it's crazy it's crazy